Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine. And with me today, guest hosting is... I'm Paul Peluso. I'm the editor of Officer Magazine. Thank you for sitting in uh, this week, Paul. Uh, our the usual co-host here at the lineup, uh, Frank Borelli, is out. He is taking some time off for his birthday. He is one of those unique uh, leap babies. So um, give him sort of a, a little uh, uh, podcast birthday shout out. To be 15 again. <laughs> exactly. So let's get started. We've got a we've got a full program um, and a lot to cover. So we'll we'll jump right into it. Um, for our first story, uh, we start in Texas, uh, where uh, a, the Mesquite Police Department released a body camera footage of uh, a, an officer involved involved shooting um, involving uh, police and uh, a student who had brought a gun to school and who more or less had gotten to a standoff with uh, school officials there. When the police had called in, um, they began to negotiate, uh, try to, to de-escalate the situation with the student. Um, shots were, were fired, but it, it, watching the uh, body camera footage uh, for about almost nearly five minutes, um, the officers are working and talking with the with the student about ending this in a peaceful manner. Um, shots began fired when uh, the the student wasn't listening. He lifted up the gun. Um, fortunately, throughout the whole situation, the student was only grazed um, and uh, no officers were injured. But. I found the body camera footage just really interesting because a lot of times when we see these incidents, we don't necessarily always see the um, the de-escalation tactics of the officers. Um, a lot of times it, it's really just, for lack of a better word, the action. And in, in this case, you you look at sort of the, and that's sort of exactly the empathy um, that uh, the police are showing and trying to, uh, solve this in the best possible way they can, um, given the fact that they were going on information as well, that uh, this student who brought the gun to school was looking to cause harm to other people. Yeah, this, uh, you know, these officers that responded really did it by the book. Like th this is, you know, kind of awesome to see um, the, the training in action. And it looks like one of the officers who responded um, was an officer in training that had multiple years of, years of service with another agency. But just the teamwork involved in these types of responses, um, it was just good to see that, you know, it looks like the Mesquite uh, Police Department kind of has their their act together here. And, yeah, they they did everything that they had to do. Yeah, it, it, it just the way, too, that um, one of the officers was talking to the student, you know, um, I'm going to quote to, uh, you know, what's going on today, buddy? We would like to help you. That's why we're here. You know, please do not reach for that gun. Um, uh, you know, trying to be a, as non-confrontational as possible, but also trying 
to get him to um, uh, obey the, those commands, to get to drop the weapon and uh, to, to surrender peacefully. Um, uh, again, thankfully, uh, no one was seriously injured. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, again, like you said, Paul, they, this really was um, a, a by the book um, uh, uh, practice by by these officers. Uh, moving on to our next story. Uh, this is out of Los Angeles. Um, and this is another case of an unusual what I, an unusual standoff. Um, LAPD officers were um, called to an apartment um, about from a, um, a woman who felt threatened by an individual. Um, when the officers reached the apartment, they're outside the apartment and you see uh, security camera footage of uh, the officers speaking with the um, the person who, who made the call. Um, while they are talking, uh, the uh, suspect opens up the apartment door and then begins firing. Well, what it, it appears to be a handgun, what turns out to be was a projectile uh, launcher and he, uh, he gets off about a, a couple rounds um, and he's firing while they're talking to uh, this other person. Luckily, no one uh, was was struck. Um, one of the officers did return fire. Um, ultimately, the uh, this this brief standoff ended peacefully. No one was injured. Um, the suspect did surrender, but it. It shows too. You you see in the security camera uh, video again, just how quickly things transpire and what these officers have to make a judgment about in half a second, maybe, of seeing what clearly looks like some type of handgun, and it is firing some type of projectile uh, at them. Um, I, again, it it it's another example of just how how much these officers have to think on their feet and be be ready to expect the unexpected and you know joe we talked about this briefly before uh we jumped on for the podcast but um you know the these training or well he used um 50 caliber rubber bullets um in the device and it, it could be used for training it could be used for less lethal um but the the device itself does look like a handgun um, that there are some distinctive features to it. when you look at the police, uh, the image that they sent out, but for officers on, on duty, it would be tough to just right away uh, figure out what it is. And if that's what they were able to do, they did a great job. But at the same time, yeah, these split second and um, decisions that need to be made in these encounters, it can make it really difficult. And so you know, you think about it, what, what would have happened if they did shoot him? You know, what, what right. would the news be? You know, how big would that be? Um, and for the officers involved, luckily no one was hurt. The security camera video really shows, too, because you hear a lot of the arguments um, when uh, police um, are confronted by individuals who appear to have some type of weapon, and it turns out it might not be a handgun, it might be a, a BB gun, an airsoft gun, what have you. And this video camera, or this video footage shows exactly 
what that's like of yeah figure out what that is as you're being shot with something um when you know when you're you were more or less i'm gonna say ambushed um because they were speaking to the person who made the call and the guy was behind a, an apartment door uh opening it and then rattles off a couple shots yeah to, to have to to have to then discern oh is this less this um a less lethal weapon that that's being fired on us or or is this an actual um handgun and also this is all done at uh close range i think you know um yes that you can see it better but also that's going to make things uh, a lot more dangerous if that is a real handgun it's a lot a lot easier to hit your target at a closer at close range than it is from far away um so yeah it's uh i'm thankfully again no one was seriously injured in this um and it it ended in in the the best way possible with the the suspect surrendering uh moving on to our our next story uh this is out of pennsylvania and uh you know what it's um same song different verse of uh, another community uh feeling uh, the effects of budget uh crunching down on them and their police department uh possibly being on the chopping block um jenkintown uh residents had come to a um a council meeting to talk about how they're upset about the possibility that their police department could be disbanded and what is um you know a, a cost cutting move a, a budget move um for the the community um we've talked about this in the lineup before there have been a, a smaller communities across the country that are have looked at um dissolving their police departments most of the time because of uh budget issues um this was one of the first examples to hearing the the comments from the residents where the residents really talked about really stressed the importance of having police officers who know their community and who who um who understand the the people in it um there was uh, what did one of uh one of the people say oh my son got into a scenario with the police and the police because they knew us like we knew them treated my son with the utmost respect when a lot of other places wouldn't with his skin color and braids and dreads i thought that was such a telling comment from a resident about those those intangibles i guess you could call them um that uh that good police officers bring to a community yeah and when you look at places like uh pennsylvania um ohio is one of them too where they there's a lot of these smaller townships that have their own police departments and this police department's case it's 11 uh 11 member department that yeah when you know um lawmakers are looking uh the cut uh cut money and uh budget cuts this is you know, one of the first places they go to, and it looks like they were they're uh, were just deciding whether or not to um, contract with neighboring um, was it Abington and I don't know if I'm saying that right, Chel Chel Chelham, 
um, for the services for uh, police. And yeah, like you said, the the residents uh, are very concerned that they want to have their officers that know the area, that know them. And also like when they do cut that money, where uh, where would it actually go? That their taxes aren't going to necessarily go down. They argued that that where's the money going to be spent? They'd rather have their their police department. So this is a play the thing that a lot of municipalities are dealing with, and uh, it's good insight to it. And, and Pennsylvania is um, one of these states where I've seen a few uh, communities look at trying to create these regional police departments, um, not a, a sheriff's office, but um, the idea is to keep the um, law enforcement um, resources that you are, that a, a town might already have and kind of put them all into the, the kitty for one large um, regional department so that you're, you're, you try to, um, spread the cost out over over multiple municipalities um but you're you 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 don't lose hopefully as much as of that um uh, connection to the to the individual communities but it that one's that's tough um a lot of uh, of those those lawmakers um it, it you're herding you're herding cats and you, you've got to um you know, not only are you looking to solve whatever um, uh, challenges you have, but you you know you also have to be able to play ball with the the other stakeholders, and that can be difficult. But um, if that's a good sort of in between measure where um, towns don't have to um, rely on overtaxed sheriff's office that might be spread too thin. Uh, you know, but then also don't have to invest completely in in a in a full service department. Um, you know, hopefully, maybe that can be a, a good solution in the interim. Moving on to our next story, this is uh, out of Texas in Houston, where um, recently the Houston Police Department has talked about um, uh, what over 250,000 cases um, that have uh, been dropped, uh, or I should say suspended, uh, because of a lack of staffing. And there seems to have been some type of miscommunication um, between um, the, the top brass and um, the rank and file as far as what this... Uh, this rule, this um, protocol of suspending cases when um, staffing gets at a certain level and suspending certain types of cases and and having different parameters. Um, it's something that uh, the chief had said he had he had gotten rid of that that rule um, uh, some time back, but it doesn't seem like it had filtered through. And in some cases, it was still appeared to be popping up in in um, officer manuals um but now it's a matter of the department having to um sift through all of these these different cases and i believe uh the chief was having uh detectives look at initially uh 4000 cases now um and, and and trying to to see what can be salvaged from this but um 
along with just the what this does to the individual cases and, and trying to get those solved, um, this has also got to be a blow uh, to the department's relationship um, with the community and, and as far as uh, trust goes. Yeah, and when you have bigger departments like uh, Houston, th this is something that you know just can't happen. But it yeah. sounds like it was a communication breakdown somewhere uh, that the chief, you, you know, didn't realize this was still going on, or he's trying to, you know, clean up a mess that was left uh, left here. That, um, yeah. So you said four thousand suspended cases. That's within the sex crimes division, mm -hmm. but that. You know, this had affected as many as 10 percent of all the criminal cases filed with the department since 2016. So that's a lot. Um, like they said, what uh, over 250,000. That is, you know, that that is remarkable. Uh, so hopefully they can clean up their mess. But they, they have a lot of questions to answer now. And it it gets into a. um a, a situation where it's almost you got this catch 22 of this 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 rule is set up for staffing and Houston like departments all across the country is is struggling um with with keeping their ranks filled and it's a way to you know to help make sure that um officers are able to to do all of the duties that they need to do and now they're already short staffed. Now they've got to go back and do all of this extra work. Um, it, it just becomes this, uh, it's gotta be this daunting, almost never ending cycle. Um, and, and yeah, hopefully they can, can figure out a way through this. Um, and, um, it, you know, uh, I'll, I'll be curious too, to see if, if they're able to receive any help from the state or other areas that allows them to be able to sift through um, these cases, because especially in cases, we're not talking necessarily for, um, you know, small misdemeanor property crimes, but cases um, where there are families and victims still hurting, um, you know, to have a better resolution for them. I feel for, for those people the most, because that's gotta be the hardest thing um, when you hear this, um, because it's one thing if if you, you know, you police can't haven't been able to solve the case, but it's another when you find that the case has just been dropped completely. So moving on to our next story, uh, let's go up north to New York, where we are running into uh, a department is running into uh, kind of navigating uh, this world of uh, legalized marijuana and what that means. Uh, the Kingston Police Department has dropped its uh, cannabis testing um, from its pre-employment and random testing uh, protocols for officers. Um, New York is one of those states that where uh, recreational uh, marijuana is is now legal. Um, uh, I, you know, Frank and I had uh, talked a, a week or two back uh, about a case in Arizona where they were, you know, looking at changing the threshold on how much, you know, what was, how long did, could it be for an officer to um, a recruit to have um, 
used marijuana, um, you know, before it would that would uh, ding him or her when it came to their application. Um, here is another case, um, and and I think it it becomes really interesting, um, or because more of a fight, I should say, uh, a challenge for departments that obviously, again, like I, we just talked about, struggling to fill their staff, this filling, keeping staffs filled, and then also possibly maintaining a, a certain standard uh, that that agency itself might want to have, even if um, marijuana itself is legal and uh, where they're at. Yeah. And this is the, as you know, these things become uh, decriminalized, uh, you know, it's interesting to see what uh, departments will do, especially in states like California. Uh, this has become a big yeah. deal as well. And uh, is definitely something that we'll cover on the website and magazine uh, down the line, I think here, because it's, it's becoming a bigger issue. And so far, no one has quite crack the code on it. And um, I, I think, too, we'll, we'll see how things go when it comes to federal decriminalization of it. Moving on to our, our next story. Um, you know, what? rarely do we head to Hawaii, but uh, we'll go to Honolulu here, um, where uh, the Honolulu Police Department is restarting its, um, what was formerly known as its cadet program, but is a sort of a, a training ground for young people. And the department as a whole is um, looking to reach out to um, younger people as a way to hopefully find uh, viable recruits. And again, it sounds like we, we it's a broken record, but helping uh, with their staffing challenges. Um, but I, I, I like this uh, with what they're calling the police services officer program. Um, it's described as, as like an apprenticeship, um, for law enforcement and, um, it's, is a way to, to sort of target, um, high schoolers who might not be looking at going on to college or community college students, um, as, a, you know, possibly, you know, looking at uh, law enforcement as, as a career path, um, and, uh, I, I like um, going down this avenue and um, you know trying to find these different types of candidates or candidates that um, departments might have shied or might have moved away from in, in you know recent years. Yeah, and I like how they they describe this as being a connector between the Explorers program and uh, you know the Officer program. So yeah, it's good to see them uh, resurrect this program. Finally, for our last story. Um, <clears throat> this is out of Oregon, where um, body camera video captured just both a a sense of relief, but also a scary uh, bit where um, deputies in searching for a fugitive, a suspect, had found an abandoned car where two young children had been left by this individual who had been hiding with them. Um, and he, to be, but to be able to find them safe and sound, um, it's it just a scary situation. And it's it glad to see in this video too that uh, we had a good end to that uh, incident. Yeah, and you know it, it's great to see uh, the efforts by officers like like this, like this rescue, um, be caught on video so people could see it. I, I think the more 
often that we get, you know, efforts such as this one, uh, it, it only helps. So yeah, it, you know, commend the officer or the deputy involved and, uh, and glad that it uh, went off well. So sometimes it's not just, it's not just taking down the bad guy. It's, you know, taking care of the innocent lives, especially the young innocent lives uh, involved. That uh, wraps up everything for us this week. Um, Paul, thanks very much for stepping in and filling in for Frank. Hey, thanks for having me. And again, as always, thank you everyone for listening. And um, as always, stay safe and take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Lineup. Please remember, the opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.